HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. Learn more about the wonderfully tart Montmorency cherry at choosecherries.com. HRN is offering complimentary business memberships to 50 Black, Indigenous, People of Color-owned food businesses this summer. The deadline to apply is July 31st. Each business membership, a $500 value, is an advertising opportunity that will allow businesses disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 to connect with HRN's listening community and promote their work. To apply and review the terms and conditions, go to heritageradionetwork.org B-I-Z. Hello, this is Lisa Held, and you're listening to The Farm Report, a Heritage Radio Network show about the people, processes, and policies that shape how food is produced today. My guest today is Amy Crone. She's the current project manager of MarketLink, a program of the National Association of Farmers Market Nutrition Programs. And she's also the former executive director of the Maryland Farmers Market Association and the owner of Hop Scratch, Hop Scratch Farm in Harwood, Maryland. Amy, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So as I've been doing uh, many interviews on COVID-19 and the food system, I've been thinking a lot about food insecurity and um, local food systems and food access, you know, it's a topic that is relevant all the time, but even more so at a time when so many people are newly unemployed and kids are out of school where they're normally uh, getting meals and many families are facing food insecurity for the first time. So I was excited to have you on to talk about um, SNAP use at farmers markets and, and some of your experiences working on programs that help low-income families access fresh food and support local farms, um, and some of the opportunities and challenges. But before we get to that, um, I was excited to see that you're also a farmer. Can you tell us a little bit about Hop Scratch Farm? 
Yes, we have a small farm here. We have about 12 acres and we've only been here for the past two years or so. Uh, my husband grew up on a farm in Ohio and I have been in, in agriculture for the past decade or so. So I was really excited to be able to find a farm that worked for our family. So we moved here, as I said, a few years ago and currently we have a few horses of our own. We have several horses that board with us, two steers, 24 sheep, uh, 13 chickens currently, and our dog as well. So <laughs> a lot of different things going on, but it's fun and we enjoy um, taking care of the property. It was uh, actually an estate sale, so there was a fair amount of work to get the property back in functioning farm order, and so we've completed all of that, as well as some renovations to the house, which was built in 1821. So we're feeling pretty settled now, which is really great. That's great. And are you running it as a commercial enterprise or just kind of for the family? As of right now, it's for the family, but we are hopeful to get it to a place where it can be my um, source of income. My husband will probably keep his job. He's an engineer and does work for um, a firm that does a whole lot of cleaning up of the government's messes, essentially. <laughs> Literally. So, it's so, remediation work, to be clear. <laughs> it's environmental <laughs> remediation. <laughs> ah, liter- literal physical messes. But yes, yes. <laughs> that, could, that could mean a lot of things. Yeah, right? I realized that once I said it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's also, you know... Um, so common for um, most small farms, which is, you know, one person works off the farm and the other person kind of um, runs the farm and because it's very hard to, to make it work uh, financially for both both people in a family to, to just focus on the farm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So so you were the executive director of um, the Maryland Farmers Market Association for a long time, and um, one of the flagship programs was Maryland Market Money. Um, and I, I'm really interested in Maryland Market Money because it was it's kind of seen as a model for a lot of farmers market SNAP incentive programs around the country. Um, can you give listeners a sense of how that program worked? Sure. So that's very kind of you to say it was, or it is a model. Uh, We started the program, well, first of all, I actually was at the Maryland Department of Agriculture prior Mm. to leaving in order to found the Maryland Farmers Market Association. And I decided to do that because what I saw in working with farmers markets through the state agency was that there was a lot of space for help at different layers of government. So particularly with the SNAP program, which is a federal program. And then in Maryland, we have what's called home rule, which means that county governments can actually have regulations or guidelines that are more strict than they are at the state level. So a farmer's market may be dealing with three or more different levels of government just to make sure that they can operate in keeping with everything that they should. So I, um, we did actually a survey to assess the need or desire for a farmer's market association, and that obviously came back positive because we proceeded to found that nonprofit and then develop the Maryland Market Money Program. The other thing that was happening at the time of the founding of MDFMA was that incentive programs were starting to proliferate. And so I was fortunate to be involved with the Crossroads Farmers Market just as it was getting started and saw the development of matching programs kind of at the ground level. Crossroads Farmers Market was um, 
one of the first to have the matching funding to go along with federal benefits that were able to be accepted at the market. And so when we founded MBFMA, what we saw that was happening was every market was saying, oh, that sounds great. I'd like to do it too. Where do I start? Oh, that sounds great. I'd like to do it too. Where do I start? So rather than having everyone reinvent the wheel over and over again, we worked with everyone to combine resources, um, combine fundraising, combine um, program guidelines, and implement Maryland market money. So we were thrilled that from its inception in 2013 through this past market season, we've been able to provide over $900,000 in matching to farmers and also, of course, to low-income Marylanders who need that fresh, local, healthy food. And the program works by combining a whole bunch of different resources. Uh, we were able to cultivate private funders, public funders. Um, we actually were able to get legislation passed in the state of Maryland to issue a grant program in support of matching at farmers markets. And then also um, corporations and other institutions as well that were interested in promoting the mission of health and also economic success for local farms. So the program, uh, yeah. yep. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> I was just gonna say, so the, the way that the program worked was that we um, provided that matching funding for a farmer's market to be able to say to their customers, if you come to the central table and show your federal benefits, uh, you can get a match to then spend with the farmers. So that's a dollar that the farmers wouldn't have been able to get otherwise and um, stretches that food access point to be as beneficial as possible for those low-income shoppers. Right. And so, I mean, the reason it, it's so helpful is it, it actually allows um, the family to purchase more, right? It makes their, their federal benefits worth more at the farmer's market. Um, but were all of those markets already accepting benefits to begin with? And then this just made, um, made those dollars worth more? Um, not all of them. So the benefits, that's another important difference um, from Maryland market money and other incentive programs around the country is that from the beginning, we made a very conscious decision to match all eligible food items, even under the SNAP program. So that means that we didn't limit it to just fruits and vegetables, as it is in a lot of other incentive programs. We wanted to make sure that the extra dollars were going to virtually every farmer in the market, regardless of what product they had, as long as it was eligible under SNAP or the Farmer's Market Nutrition Program, which has a women, infants, and children component or a seniors component, that they were able to accept the benefit. And so part of the program was providing that technical assistance to make sure that the market was able to accept all of those benefits. Um, mm -hmm. They each work a little bit differently. Some of them are accepted at the farmer level and others are accepted at the market level. And so we would work with the in individual market to make sure that they could not only take the benefits, but that the Maryland market money program worked well for them and that all of the farmers were, um, that they were able to get their payments in within a good time frame. Right. And so is it the, the market that is determining whether or not farmers can accept federal benefits or is it usually farmer by farmer? So the farmer's market nutrition program is farmer by farmer. Each individual farmer has to sign up, but the SNAP mm. program can work in actually two ways. So the SNAP program, a farmer, an individual farmer can sign up to accept SNAP themselves directly. And ha that's an electronic benefit, whereas the FMMP is a paper benefit. So um, there is some additional equipment involved in order to be able to accept SNAP EBT, which I'm sure we'll talk about more later with regards to the market link program. Right. Um, but then the um, other way that 
SNAP can be accepted is at the market level. So the way that that works is that the market becomes authorized to accept SNAP, and then they hand out tokens in exchange for SNAP benefits that the customer can then spend with a farmer. And at the end of the market, the market manager, administrator, or whomever is managing the Maryland Market Money Program collects those tokens, adds them up, and then reimburses the farmer for the amount that they received. Yeah. Wow. So like most government programs, there's a lot of complicated ways that it can work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's where a lot of our time as a nonprofit organization came in, where we were helping figure out those pieces, again, making sure that it was working for everyone. And at the, um, the last season, we were working with 35 markets, and it was really a wide range that we were working with from very small rural markets that um, maybe was run by volunteers and didn't have a bank account, all the way up to uh, the Waverly 32nd Street Market in Baltimore City that's been around for 30-some years and has a board of directors and even some of their own fundraising capability too. Yeah. And how did you get the word out about, um, you know, the fact that these markets accept federal benefits and then about Maryland market money? Like, I, I would imagine if you're somebody who's applying for benefits, you... Pro- I, I wouldn't have assumed that you could use them outside of a grocery store, that you could go to the farmer's market, and then to potentially know that you could be given this extra, these extra dollars to spend. Like, How did you communicate about that to people to get them to actually come to the market and use the money there? Mm-hmm. We had some fantastic partnerships through um, our time, my time with MDFMA where we were able to work with the Department of Human Resources at the time. That was their um, acronym. I believe it has since changed. But um, what we did was work with them so that every summer during the height of the farmer's market season, we were able to put an insert into the what they call the redeterminations that go out to all SNAP recipients. So if you receive SNAP in Maryland, you would also get a little insert in your brochure saying these are the farmer's markets where SNAP is accepted and these are the farmer's markets where it's accepted and then also your benefit is matched. So that was a fantastic partnership. And then we also worked with the Department of Agriculture to ensure that that information was in their annual directory of farmer's markets. And then also, um, you know, whatever other marketing efforts we could do, of course, via social media or in partnership with local organizations and agencies that would reach out to us to see how they could help. Wow. Yeah. So you're really getting you're getting to people right when they get the benefits. So it's, mm-hmm. it's actually um, really a really direct um, marketing <laughs> strategy. Yes. Yeah. Um, but we would, okay. interestingly enough, though, we did find that um, it's almost always word of mouth is the fastest huh. way that these this information spreads. So even though we did that, we would hear um, someone would let us know that, oh, I didn't realize that there was a farmer's market around the corner from us. And then sure enough, they would tell their family, they would tell their friends. And we had one market go from their first year in the program, they redeemed somewhere in the neighborhood of, I don't know, $500 worth of matching. Mm-hmm. In the second year, after the word got out, they redeemed more than $10,000 in matching. Wow. That, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, more with Amy Crone. This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. A cherry isn't just a cherry. When it comes to tart cherries, the wonderfully U.S.-grown Montmorency tart cherry variety is the cherry with more. They're available year-round, dried, frozen, canned, juice, and concentrate. U.S. Montmorency tart cherries are also one of America's superfruit, which means 
they're good for you. Tart cherries contain many antioxidants and beneficial phytonutrients, including anthocyanins, the pigments that give tart cherries their beautiful red color. And don't forget about flavor. U.S. Montmorency's unique sour-sweet profile makes them an excellent addition to yogurt, oatmeal, salads, trail mix, and of course, a classic cherry pie. Learn more about the wonderfully U.S.-grown Montmorency tart cherry at ChooseCherries.com. All right, we're back. This is Lisa Held. You're listening to The Farm Report on Heritage Radio Network. I've been speaking with Amy Crone about uh, farmers markets and food access. And, you know, we were talking before the break about some of the challenges to um, getting uh, people to come to markets and and, uh, getting them to know that they can use federal benefits at markets and, um, and I'm curious, so we started to kind of talk about one of the challenges being a technical challenge that, you know, there's equipment and there's um, there's paperwork and all these things that, that farmers or markets need to complete in order to accept these benefits. So, um, Amy, can you talk a little bit more about those challenges? Like, I want to get talk, I want to talk about MarketLink. And so t- tell me some about, tell me about the challenges that MarketLink is trying to solve for. Sure. So MarketLink is a program of the National Association of Farmers Market Nutrition Programs, otherwise known as NAFMMP. And that organization has been around actually um, as long as the inception of the Farmers Market Nutrition Program. So the they were both promulgated in the early 90s. Um, and the purpose of the association is to support the effective implementation of those federal benefits programs. So the MarketLink program is a perfect um, complement to that work in as much as MarketLink is in support of SNAP in particular. So the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, formerly known as Food Stamps. And the problem that MarketLink is solving is helping direct marketing farmers and farmers markets be able to accept that benefit to expand the sales of local food um, via SNAP. So the... um, It's actually informative to know the history of the SNAP program. It was actually a paper benefit up until the early 90s, um, and then it transitioned over to an electronic benefit. So now, today, it works kind of like a debit card, and so you have to have a card reader to be able to swipe it and accept it. But um, back in the day, it used to be a paper benefit, and actually there was a really high redemption of SNAP at farmer's markets when it was in the paper form. Mm. Unfortunately, with that switch to electronic, that acceptance of SNAP at farmer's markets dropped off significantly. And well, because so, I guess, I mean, farmer's markets are one of those places that still a lot of people will say cash only, right? Like what, everything else in in the world has kind of gone digital or, you know, so that, that makes a lot of sense. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, USDA was able to provide brick and mortar snap retailers with free equipment. So if you were a big box store or you were a supermarket and you got approved to accept snap, you would receive a free wired plug into the wall, plug into the phone line machine to be able to accept snap directly. But unfortunately they didn't 
they weren't able to provide that same level of support to farmers and markets because at that point in time, they didn't have the technology available. So that's Mm. the big thing that MarketLink is solving for is once USDA implemented a grant program way back in 2013 in order to provide grant funding for farmers and markets to get wireless technology, um, then we've been able to develop the only app through which you can accept SNAP and then provide farmers and markets with um, the means to get that app, make sure they have the right equipment for it to work since it has to be on a smart device and then provide them with the card reader and make sure that they can accept SNAP directly now. Wow. And, and so, and when you say provide them with a card reader, is that just for swiping SNAP benefits or is that also for accepting electronic payments of any kind? So the program, when we envisioned the program back in 2013, we wanted to make sure that we developed a solution that could work for farmers and markets throughout the course of time and not be solely dependent on um, USDA grants, which tend to change every year or so. And so we built out the model of the program to also accept credit and debit as well. And that's one of the super exciting things about this current iteration of the grant, which we were awarded in October of 2019, is that we've been able to establish a partnership with Square so that you can actually get lower rates as a MarketLink customer for your credit and debit as well. So we're providing an advantage to farmers and markets, not only to being able to accept SNAP, but also being able to access lower processing rates for credit and debit too. Wow. And I mean, it's certainly a time when it seems like there would be a high need for this, um, especially because, you know, even at markets that were accepting cash only, it seems that a lot of farmers and markets are now switching to electronic payments because of COVID-19 and, you know, people not wanting to handle cash. Is that something you've been seeing? Absolutely. Uh, Especially in early March, we saw a huge spike in applications as folks were trying to figure out how to pivot to less contact. And also as farmers markets weren't necessarily opening, farmers were trying to make sure that they were um, able to sell directly to their consumers. And then also, um, as I know, you've written articles about kind of the, the rush to online sales in all formats, right? So there were, um, I think, a number of technologies that weren't necessarily being taken full advantage of that then became super in demand. Um, but farmers and markets both, I think, are a very resilient and resourceful group of people. So, um, you know, they were able to pivot incredibly quickly to respond to the unfortunate outcomes of the pandemic, whether it be, you know, as I said before, some markets closed, others opened late. Um, you know, others are limiting the number of customers, things like that. So um, it is really amazing to see how farmers, even in the heart of the growing season, are making all of these things work. And we hope to be one of the solutions to help them get there. Yeah. And is the application process, is it currently open? And, and then also, what is that process like for someone who wants to use MarketLink? Mm-hmm. It is currently open. Uh, folks can go to marketlink.org apply. It's a very simple application. You submit the form online and then we get back to you within a few days and help you through each of the steps of the process. So um, you do have to get an F, what's called an FNS number or Food and Nutri- Nutrition Services of the USDA has to approve you to be an authorized SNAP retailer. So we can help with that process. Um, we actually have regional representatives that can do the application for a farmer or market if they're struggling with it since it is 
a government portal and there's some um, extra security measures in there, uh, it can be a little bit challenging for folks that may not be accustomed to spending a whole lot of time on the computer. So we have that as a resource. Um, and then after uh, the farmer or market gets their FNS number, we help them get set up with um, their processing. So that's uh, an account with Novadia Group, which is our software and technology provider for their SNAP processing, and then a Square account if they don't already have it for their credit processing. Then after all of those pieces are completed, they receive a card reader and information on how to get the free license that's issued with the grant for the application, which is called Total Pay Go. And then we make sure that they're all set up and able to accept payment, even through providing a training session over the phone where we can make sure they have the app installed, they can go into testing mode, they can run all the different types of transactions and make sure that they're all set. We can also show them that one other piece that's really great about the project is that we have an online portal where they can access all of their sales at any given moment in time. So whether it be at the end of the month or at the end of the week when they're reconciling all of their finances, they can download all of their transaction history and be able to see how much they did in SNAP sales versus credit and debit sales and kind of parse all of that data as they need. Yeah, that, that seems like it would be really helpful. Um, yeah. How many farmers are currently using this MarketLink technology? We have several thousand farmers using MarketLink currently. It is all across the country where folks are utilizing it. Um, the highest concentration currently is in Massachusetts. They have a large healthy incentives project going on there, um, which is another piece that is pretty cool, is that we are able to offer electronic incentive acceptance via the app. And then also in New York and Oregon, there's a, a lot of users in those respective states. Um, there's been a lot of resources at the state level put towards farmers markets and supporting this community in both of those states. And so I think you see the numbers reflect that. Yeah, well, that that's interesting that you brought up the incentives because I, I was going to ask you that. Like, how does something like Maryland Market Money integrate into this system or does it at all? Mm -hmm. There is a feature within the app where you can set it up. Um, we are working on streamlining, streamlining that for different groups since every incentive program functions a little bit differently. There is a fair amount of setup involved in that process, but we do have a feature by which an incentive program could set it up um, and be able to set up an electronic incentive currently. But that is another important piece to note about the grant that we received is that um, the, some of the funding is intended for future technology development. So we are very excited to be working on electronic FMP. Um, we can already accept electronic WIC, Women, Infants, and Children program in some states. And then lastly, we are coordinating with USDA to hopefully be able to have farmers and markets also accept SNAP online, which is a huge deal since currently, I'm sure as you know, based on all of your reporting and writing on it, it's only, um, SNAP online can only be accepted by big grocers and retailers currently. So if we're able to get this accomplished, it would really be a significant potential revenue stream for farmers and markets that they have not, have, have not been able to access previously. Right. Yeah, it seems like it is only really big retailers that, that can accept it online, but it does seem like that, that the list of retailers has been steadily growing, right? So there's, there's momentum to continue to add more um, places where people can spend those benefits online. So Absolutely. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, I mean, it's just so important in this day and age with COVID and so many folks finding themselves unemployed. Um, it's 
the increase in SNAP benefits being issued is really significant. So as of April of this year, USDA is issuing 40% more to households across the country in the amount of SNAP benefit that they receive. And then we were actually just looking at some data the other day and from February 2020, looking back uh, to January, excuse me, February of 2019, there's been a 200% increase in the amount of SNAP redeemed in that month. So that's before the worst of the shutdowns even occurred. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how those numbers continue to climb as well over you know March and forward as USDA shares that data. Right. Well, and the interesting thing is like, you know, there's all this food insecurity and, and increasing SAP benefits. And then a lot of farmers markets, so, well, in my experience, it seems like some farm, farmers markets are thriving, at least in the beginning of the pandemic, especially when people were kind of hunkering down and, and grocery shopping a lot. But some farmers markets are struggling. And I mean, bridging this gap, making the connection potentially means that, you know, these people who are newly food insecurity are getting healthy food, but also that struggling farmers at markets would be capturing some of those dollars, right? So it could potentially really help um, some of these markets that have been struggling with all of the complications due to COVID. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it'd be really interesting to see. I mean, we've heard, um, as I mentioned before, farmers and markets are so innovative. I think um, some might have heard of the Green City Markets in Chicago. So when they couldn't open their farmer's market and they were waiting for the city to deem them as essential and therefore be able to open, they were able to pivot and have um, work with a software provider to um, do deliveries of produce until the market opened. So they were able to sustain their farmers even though they couldn't open their market for, you know, it was delayed by I think a month or two. Um, so it'd be interesting to see kind of how everything kind of shakes out in the end. As you mentioned, it's really unclear since we have, you know, a whole bunch of farmers that potentially have lost restaurant sales, um, but maybe having more direct-to-consumer sales. Um, and then the new challenges now with more opening happening and all of the summer produce coming in, I think it's going to be difficult for farmers markets to um, make sure that folks still practice social distancing and then also avoid, you know, having big wait times at markets too. Yeah, it's it seems like every day there's a new challenge, right? It's mm -hmm. like, and you don't quite know what's ahead, but we're all trying to figure it out. Um, well, Amy, thank you so much for, for coming on. I really appreciate your insights. Thank you for having me. It's been fun talking with you. And thank you all so much for listening to The Farm Report on Heritage Radio Network. If you enjoyed the conversation, please subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and share it. I'll see you next week. The Farm Report is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. 
Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.